Welcome to the CEC report for the 18th of January 2019. I'm Elisa Barwick and joining me today is CEC Research Director Robert Barwick. Welcome Robert. Thanks Elisa. And on today's show, how far gone are Australia's banks? Audit them now. And the real battle of Brexit, protecting the banks from a Corbyn Prime Ministership. So firstly today, how far gone are Australia's banks? That is the question and we want to find out the answer. So we have called for an audit of the banks. But just to preface that, uh, we've been talking on the show, of course, about the extraordinary financial situ situation globally, which over the Christmas period uh, really came to a crunch that was reminiscent of the, 2000 and, the late 2008 period during the GFC uh, with a lending freeze up. Uh, we've also seen last year in Australia the biggest housing market crash since the GFC. And of course we have various... Which, which accelerated in December. Shocked yes. everyone. Uh, and continues to do so. And we have also political instability. We'll talk about Brexit today. You have ongoing trade wars and other issues. So even our Prime Minister in statements in the last couple of days, Scott Morrison, has... Uh, said these are quite extraordinary and uncertain times and he was talking about the consequences of Brexit and certain economic uh, consequences and he must have used the word uncertainty in these couple of statements to the media about you know ten times in three sentences. Uh, we also have the fact that the International Monetary Fund has announced it's going to examine Australia this year as it does every five years, especially the risks and vulnerabilities that we face in light of the quote, rise in household debt and build up of real estate exposure in a concentrated banking system which directly intersects what we'll be talking about today with the necessity of an audit for the banks. Yeah, for them to finally zero in on this issue that we've been blowing the whistle about for years, right? We've got a household bubble, housing bubble tied up with banking debt bubble, right? And it's been the biggest vulnerability of the Australian economy in years. And finally, more and more people are acknowledging it, including the IMF, and they want to look at it. Mm. So today we've issued a press release calling on the government to direct the Auditor General to conduct an independent audit of Australia's big four banks in light of these facts, the collapsing property bubble, uh, to which, of course, the major banks are massively exposed. As we say in the release, Elisa, no banks in the world, and I'm not sure Australians appreciate this, no banks in the world have come close to the six, more than 60% of lending into one sector, mortgages, that Australia's banks have. The, the, the banks in 2008 that crashed, they got up into the 40 percentage range, mm. right? Um, the UK banks didn't even get to that. We're at 60%. And those banks lend money against property that is the collateral for their loans. So the loans, the loans they lend are their assets, and the collateral for those assets are the values of the properties. And they are now plunging. Mm. So where does that leave the banks in actual terms on their books? We have to find that out. They must be independently audited. And in addition to that, our those four major banks control about 80% of our entire Australian banking system. Which means what happens to them is a threat to all of us. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is not just about uh, picking on the big four banks. We're talking about we have to do this to the banks because we're looking at, we're lifting the bonnet of our whole economy here. Mm -hmm. And our household debt is now at 190% of household income. So the effect of a crisis in those four banks with that level of concentration would be horrendous. 
Um, so presently, just to give the background, the banks are not independently audited. The well, subject... Well, they say they are, right? They're by law, they have to be, mm. but that's, that's what we're blowing the whistle on. Exactly. In reality, they're not. So what you have is an even bigger four... Uh, which are the big four global accounting firms, which forms a cartel essentially, which audits 98% of the world's big banks and corporations worldwide. That's the estimate. That's, so, that's stunning. 98%. Unbelievable. Um, so these firms are PricewaterhouseCoopers, Ernst & Young, KPMG and Deloitte. And of course they actively, as we show in the press release, cover up the fraud and the dodgy bookkeeping that has become the defining feature of today's financial system and which was a key precipitating factor in bringing on the global financial crisis. Um, now, in November 2017, when in the lead up to the Royal Commission, the Greens and the National Party talking about an inquiry into the banks had actually agreed on their terms, which would be acceptable to them and had support from other parties. And that would have included investigating the, the big, big four, four accounting firms in addition to the big four banks. See, what happened was, and specifically Barry O'Sullivan, the National Party Senator from Queensland, his, his office door was open and Greens, Labor people like Sam Dastiari, the crossbenchers were going in there that day and they were adding things to a suggested terms of reference for a Royal Commission that were determined to force on the government, right? And as the story goes, um, Kelly O'Dwyer wanders past Barry O'Sullivan's office, sees what's going on, sees the terms of reference and effectively has a heart attack and goes, oh my God. And those terms of reference that she saw included examining the big four accounting firms. And the, it, was, it was seeing that process that caused her to get on the blower to, turn to uh, Malcolm Turnbull and, and Scott Morrison and everybody, and they hurriedly got the banks to approve an alternative terms of reference to her, say, look, a Royal Commission's inevitable, we have to jump and call it ourselves now so we can control it. Mm. And they came up with their own terms of reference, which excluded the big four accounting firms. Yeah. Now, um, independent, independent auditing by the Auditor General, which probably no one's even ever heard of, um, <laughs> but we have such a thing, and it was standard practice for that you know, body to conduct independent auditing until APRA was created. Of yeah. course, the Australian Prudential Regulation Authority, which, um, you know, we've gone after their activity, well, their lack of activities in regulating the banks. Well, um, Dr. Wilson Sy, the former APRA principal researcher, calls them a fake regulator. They mm -hmm. don't actually don't regulate. And this was set up as a, this was deliberately set up to be the system for the last 20 years. That's why we're in this mess. So when APRA was created in 1998, they ended the system whereby for, because what we're calling for, the Auditor General, which is the authority, the government authority for auditing, should look at the, the big four banks, mm. right? So that's what an independent audit would look like, the Auditor General doing it, not these big four accounting firms that are, that are a pack of crooks. And this was, this was standard pr practice. The, the Auditor General had this power from 1945 onward up until 1998. And then they set up APRA and they changed the law. And the law says APRA can audit the banks, but APRA can pick whoever it wants to do the audit. Whereas up until then, it was always the, the banking regulator should get the Auditor General to do it, right? Who has APRA chosen to do the audits that it has conducted of the banks? The big four accounting firms, mm. right? So, and that's, you know, the, 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 everywhere you turn, these big four accounting firms, these big global, you know, um, uh, criminals, criminal masterminds, have been there cooking the books of the system. And as we said in the article we have in the alert service 
Elisa. You've got to go, when, when, um, if you watch the movie The Untouchables, Elliot Ness only brought down Al Capone's criminal empire in Chicago by going after his accountants. Only the accountants could prove the crimes he'd committed. And we've got to look at the global financial system and say we have to do the same thing. Mm. And so what would be the impact of such an audit, including on our regulatory framework and the syst our financial system as a whole? Well, so the audit would show the true state of the banks, right? And it's got a, and it, what we're, we're in the period where we're talking about um, what was the big debate in America in 2007, 2008, when they had this term mark to market. If you, if you, if the, when, the, when the prices were crashing in America in those days, if the banks were forced to, to, to mark down the value of their assets to reflect the actual market, what would they look like, mm. right? And that's what we've got to be seeing here now. Um, we need to have this, this, this much more um, objective view of where the banks are actually at. So that'll tell us the dangers in the financial system, right? Which then the government can respond to. Because the government, we are looking at the government having to take, take over banks in order to protect the deposits in those banks, protect the public, mm. right? And that's because you can't have a property bubble this big that's crashing without banks this exposed to it without that happening. So that, that's the first and most important thing it'll do. The audits will also show up how badly these big four accounting firms have been helping the banks to cook the books. And it can start a pro... This has global implications because if, if, we, if, the, if, the, if we took on the, the big four accounting firms this way, all the other jurisdictions in the world that they also control, mm -hmm. right, would have to say, well, they, we cannot give them the credibility we've given them up until now as well. We've got to do the same thing. And you can bring down the whole superstructure they've set up to allow the financial system, to rig the financial system, which they've been central to. Mm. And so it'll prove that Australia's banks are pretty much hopelessly bankrupt and allow us to have the platform to reorganise the entire system. Now, we've got to take a quick break, but after that, we're going to come back and discuss how there's a drive right now in the UK to take on these big four auditing firms. Welcome back to the CEC report where we're discussing our call to audit Australia's big four banks and to be, go beyond the curtain and actually look at the big four auditing companies who have supposed to have been um, making sure that everything's running smoothly and legitimately, which of course have not. Um, they've been instead protecting the racket that these banks have been running. So um, one part of the backdrop to this call is that in December last year, a report was released in the United Kingdom called Reforming the Auditing Industry. And this was a report yes, commissioned by Shadow Chancellor John McDonnell and represents what he and a Corbyn government would do if elected. John McDonnell is Jeremy Corbyn's uh, deputy and longtime ally. So he knew what he was setting up in commissioning this report. This is not yet official Labor policy, but you see the names on, of the people doing it, led by um, Prem Sikha, who's mm. a retired accounting professor. And what they've come up with is explosive. Yeah. This should be the blueprint for regulators and governments around the world to Worldwide. take on this criminal apparatus. So it exposes the protection racket that these big four companies are running. Um, they conceal the bank's criminality by giving them a clean bill of health. They're basically the ones that come in and say, like the old Far Side cartoon, nothing to see here, you know, move it along. Um, Auditing, of course, is supposed to provide protection for the people. It's a statutory requirement, right? The government says um, every company has to be audited so that the, the, the clients, the, the shareholders, the regulators all have 
can have trust in their financial um, accounts, yeah. right? And because it's a statutory requirement, the auditing companies, they have a, they have a state-mandated market, mm-hmm. right? And they have a duty. Of, so they're, they're doing a state a function for the public good. It's, a, it's, it's quite a, a responsibility they have. Mm. Instead, they've been allowed to yeah. just help them rig it. Um, so, yeah, instead of scrutinising the books to, you know, make sure they're doing everything squeaky clean, instead they have protected predatory practices, and I'm just listing what the report goes through here, fraudulent accounting and other illegal activities. They've designed and overseen the world's tax evasion infrastructure, allowing nations to be looted. They helped pre- precipitate the GFC. They gave banks like Lehman Brothers, for instance, two months before it crashed, a clean bill of health, and the UK bank... Northern Rock was given a clean bill of health just days before going under. And the New York Attorney General accused EY of uh, assisting Lehman to engage in a massive accounting fraud. That's Ernest 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 Young. Young. The details are in the article in the Australian Alert Service, which people can call in and get a free copy of. Yeah, read all the background info. Um, get in touch with us for that. So they also, one of the other factors that you point out in the article summarising this is that these big four accounting firms also provide consultancy services, you know, extensive consultancy services to the same banks and firms yeah. that they're auditing. So they've got a It's big a fundamental conflict of interest. That, that's, that's the nub of the problem in the system we've got. So you've got a state-mandated fun- function. Firms have to be audited. So the auditor has to be completely and scrupulously independent, right? Go in, look over the books, put the asset on the people that are, if, if they see dodgy stuff, they blow the whistle on it, etc. That's their job. But these big foot, now, we've got because you've got so many huge corporations, only the biggest accounting firms can audit, have the ability to audit the biggest corporations. So these big four firms have been able to take control of 98% of the auditing of the world's biggest corporations, right? And then... They provide, so they do that, but then they've got a business model where they actually make more money by becoming consultants to the same companies. And one third of the revenue comes from the fees they charge for auditing, two thirds come from being consultants. So they are not going to blow the whistle Mm -hmm. on the companies that are making them so rich. And I mean rich, $130 billion in revenue last year these four firms had, $130 billion. And in the UK figures, the four firms, in terms of their profits for last year, it was a 200% return on partners' capital. 200%. This is incredible stuff, right? And so um, it's a huge conflict of interest, and so it's got to be broken up. Yeah. And the revolving door between these firms and government was also exposed in this UK report. Um, The report said they have colonised... Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, which is the tax office, they've colonised it and are permitted to write laws which ensure that they and their clients always win. They advise government departments. They have colonised regulatory bodies. Now, it's the same here in Australia. Investigative reporter Michael West has shown in his writing that the same big four dominate Australian banks and business. They are ensconced in the Board of Taxation, in its various working groups, in Chartered Accountants Associations and in ATO, Australian Tax Office Organisations. The government pays them for reports and advice and consultancy and puts government staff on secondment with these firms. So he, Michael West called them up yeah. in 2016 
he called up each of the big four and he had a simple question. He said, who audits you? <laughs> so they audit the world. Yeah. Who audits you? And every single time, the question, they wouldn't answer the question. It was either don't know, can't tell you, blah, blah, blah. And then he posed this. Yeah, well, he, he answered the question himself. He said, the short answer is nobody. The guards are guarding themselves. And not only are they guarding themselves, but they are writing the laws of nations. So what this report proposes is a statutory auditor, which is a government authority, which would work closely with financial regulators. And audit all the financial firms in the UK. Every, any, any financial firm, bank, building, society, credit union, etc., all must be audited by the statutory auditor. If they want to continue paying these big four parasites to do it as well, that's up to them. But they will be audited by a public auditor from now on. That's what the, the calls for. And we have one in Australia, the Auditor General, right? So we're just we're just saying, here's our auditor. Let's let's give it the yeah. job to do here for our banks. And this 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 report here also calls for these big four accounting firms. You've got to get rid of the conflict of interest at the centre of their business model. Break them up. So we've been calling to break up the banks around the world, Elisa, and it's the right thing to do. So that call actually has to apply to these big four firms as well. They must be broken up, and all accounting firms must not be allowed to do to do auditing and consulting. Mm. You do one or the other. And on that note, in terms of breaking up the big banks here in Australia, um, Parliament, well, of course, the Royal Commission will be reporting very shortly on the 1st or the 2nd of February. And then Parliament comes back on the 12th of February. Um, the 1st of February is the Royal Commission report. And in the lead up to that, we need to... Most parliamentarians' offices are open again or should be we need all of our supporters to be ringing them and reminding them not only that of the necessity for Glass-Steagall because that's the solution, but also with today's press release, emailing it to them, ring them and make sure they got it, make sure they know that this is on the top of the agenda. We especially have to put pressure on the Labor Party. The UK Labor Party has been prepared to commission a report like this. It applies equally to Australia. The Labor Party here will likely be the next government unless some miracle happens, and we need to make sure that they are prepared to take on this criminal apparatus and not just leave it untouched, as without public pressure, I fear they would do. So after this next break, we're going to talk about Brexit, which is related to this. Welcome back to the CEC Report. The real battle of Brexit, protecting the banks from a Corbyn prime ministership. So on the 15th of January, uh, UK Prime Minister Theresa May's Brexit deal was defeated as it was expected to be in a historic vote, it's historic the, it's defeat. It's the single biggest um, vote against the sitting Prime Minister's policy in modern British history. Yeah, and what that means is, um, I mean, the, the likelihood of getting another deal is, you know, up in the air completely. Uh, the option, the alternative is a hard Brexit and what that means basically is that all of a sudden, the UK, which has had no real borders effectively for trade and movement of people with the European Union, will suddenly go back to being like any other country where all the yeah. borders and they'll have to bring in customs at the borders and all kinds of check posts. Um, but one of the bigger things, of course, is the financial side of it because £20 trillion of derivatives contracts will be invalid once Brexit is in force if they're not renegotiated. And the reason we're covering this in this segment, Elisa, is because at, we, we might wonder why is there so much turmoil in the UK over this mm. question. It actually relates... The reason it's a complicated process is because of the financial issue, right? Everything the May government is trying to do is protect the banks and the ongoing power of the City of London 
in this context of this breakup. And they've got the military on standby and everything, so they know what the stakes are. Now, the following day after this vote was defeated, of course, Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the opposition, called for a vote of no confidence. In any normal circumstances, that would have passed because sure. this has been a stalemate forever. Yeah. Um, so why didn't that go through? It, well, it, 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 it was defeated very narrowly mm. along the most ideologically hard lines. Yep. And it shows you one thing, that these people, all these people that are divided over everything to do with Brexit, they are united in their fear of what Corbyn would mean to the British establishment if he got a chance to get elected. Yeah, and it's not something that MPs personally fear, but they are being lobbied by the City of yeah. London very heavily to prevent a Corbyn prime ministership. Now, Corbyn, uh, even though his party has supported Brexit in general terms, Corbyn has opposed various aspects of the European Union, um, particularly the fact that it was designed to exclude, as a supranational body, to exclude state intervention, to basically subvert the role of national governments and elevate the role of central banks. And Theresa May's Brexit deal would have locked the United Kingdom into that same model, even though it was exiting the EU. Journalist James Wright from the Canary summed this up on the 14th of January. He said the UK would have to abide by EU rules preventing state intervention, including limits on public spending, which is considered, quote, state aid under EU rules. Wright said that May's deal establishes a competition and markets authority in the UK, which would enforce the European Commission's public spending restrictions. And that authority, according to a QC, would have the power to declare an act of parliament to be unlawful as inconsistent with the state aid rules. And Wright concluded, these spending restrictions are not an accident, they are part of May and the EU's long-standing austerity-driven plans. And the UK would not be able to exit that arrangement without EU approval. And our senior EU source involved in the withdrawal negotiations told the London Times that the real battle of Brexit was preventing a future Corbyn government transforming the UK economy. And we'll quick show a quick clip of what Corbyn has said about the EU. You know, you voted to leave the European Economic Community in the 1975 yes. referendum. You opposed the creation of the European Union in the Maastricht Treaty. You voted against... No, I, what I, I opposed the Maastricht Treaty because it was bringing in an unaccountable central bank and it was moving in the direction of a free market yes. Europe. I've always been in favour of social cooperation across Europe. I've always been in favour of better workers' rights. I strongly supported the whole social chapter agenda that was brought in uh, in the European Union. What I opposed was the development of free market economics in Europe. What I opposed was the state aid rules which limit to differing extents the ability of a government to intervene on its own economy like we would want to to protect the steel industry and also have concerns about some of the competition rules particularly in relation to things like postal services and rail services. So that was a November interview on Sky News but what would Ger Jeremy Corbyn do to the UK economy and the banks? Well Corbyn's whole political career has been defined by Thatcherism, right? He would reverse that or that he would end the neoliberal consensus in the UK he would re-regulate the banks. He, he and John McDonnell are avowed supporters of Glass-Steagall to break them up, set up a national investment bank to fund the real economy in the United Kingdom outside London, etc. All these things which are good for the people of Britain but take away the power over finance that is entrenched in the city of London. 
this, this parasitical entity at the heart of the British financial system and by virtue of its size, the whole global financial system. Mm. And they just do not want him anywhere near the joint for that reason. Yeah, and just recall this report on auditing the big four companies and the banks, of course, that we've been talking it shows, about. It shows the type of thing they would do. Yeah. So call in for a copy of our alert. Join us again next week. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. And see you later. Thank you.